Hello everyone, I am Marcibel and this is the Marcibel Podcast. Welcome to the More Civil Podcast, where we talk about thought culture, Blacks and Asians, and those who care about them. My guest today immigrated from Nigeria with her family about 10 years ago. She is in her final year of pharmacy school at the great University of Texas at Austin. In her free time, she enjoys spending time with friends and family, running, cooking, traveling, and serving her community. And I know just not at the same time. So join me in welcoming <laughs> Miss Fiona Imahia. Hello, it's good to be here today. Very excited. Thank you. This. Thank you for doing this, Fiona. And I should say you're like the first live guest that we're having on this podcast. So how does that make you feel? It makes me excited, actually. Man, I feel so special. Aww. Very special indeed. It's nice to be live and direct, you yeah, know? So yeah. it's great. Thank you. And Fiona and I kind of go a long way. I used to be her TA mm-hmm. when I was still in grad school, and she was one of my very bright students. And then we ended up working together in a lab yeah. about to do be the Nigerian culture. So I know we're talking earlier before the podcast started, how you moved with your family about 10 years ago. So I thought maybe a nice thing to get started with is drawing parallels, comparisons, or even similarities between Nigerian culture and then you being a, a transplant from Nigeria to the US. How has that been? Man, it's, it's crazy. It's been like over 10 years now. Um, yeah, it's very, the culture in Nigeria is just very different and moving here. It's like, yes, you're now like in America, you're an American, but still, you know, it's like, you're still Nigerian. So like being able to combine both cultures with the differences. Yeah. The food is different. Mannerisms definitely very different. Let's start with yeah. food. What exactly <laughs> of all the food do you want to talk about? <laughs> let's see. Let's. I, I guess let's talk about the main like staple dishes you oh, see yeah. a lot. Nigerian. Ah, rice, rice, and and lots, lots, and lots of rice. I think it's like. I, I guess that kind of is what ties our dishes with you know some of the Asian dishes. Oh yeah, that's why we like them. Yeah, they oh, yeah. eat lots of rice as well. So you know we do lots of rice. So we have jollof rice, Nigerian jollof rice. Mm-hmm. Okay, for references, not the Ghanaian ones. Yes, let's be specific. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> we still love you, our fellow, mm-hmm. you know Ghanaians, but you know mm-hmm. the Nigerian jollof rice. That night, yeah, but yeah. So our jollof rice, you know, that's the some people call it the red rice. Like Who my friends, are you Nigerian? My American friends, oh, of course, not Nigerian. We'll allow that. You know, so it's like with the tomato sauce, but the spices, I think, is what really makes it unique. It has a very um, flavorful taste with like our Amer- uh, Nigerian spices. So the yeah. taste is definitely very different. Uh, Nigerians tend to eat, you know, more on a spicy level. Mm-hmm. So our foods, I think we're very known for like just the rich in flavor and mm-hmm. spices. So we definitely do like more peppers in our dishes yeah. than like a traditional yeah. American meal. Very specific. It's really like, you know, if I'm introducing people to Nigerian food for the first time, like I think about, I guess like most recently, um, 
I had an opportunity to work with some people from Singapore. Yeah. So they were very interested. We're in Houston. They're interested in trying something, you know, Nigerian. So we're like, okay, let's go to a Nigerian restaurant. That way we can have like a sample platter of. Oh, yeah. They're very, actually very open. Yeah, my nigga, We need to give her a name. <laughs> <laughs> she has to have a Nigerian name. <laughs> that was very, for me, that was very impressive because I was like, man, she was bold. She like literally ordered the most Nigerian thing on the menu. Yeah. So I think, you know, our rice staple dishes, you know, the pound. We yeah. do lots of soups with the flavor. Yeah. And then we're talking about like, I guess meat is huge for us too. Yeah. <laughs> I have friends that are vegetarian and I'm like, I don't know. if Only if things have changed back home, but I don't think you'll survive in Nigeria. Yeah. I think maybe nowadays, like maybe the more up and coming restaurants would kind of have some vegetarian vegetarian well, how would you explain that people? to your family members <laughs> but like, you say you're not a vegetarian it's almost like saying you just join a cult they'll probably bob your hair or something and, yeah, they, and it's like i mean i guess like most of the time because some people won't even eat meals that don't have meat i in think it. it's a status thing because yeah, if you offer like someone a, food without meat it's seen as maybe you don't have enough money you know how meat is always like to me i, I mean my impression of meat and dishes growing up was it was a sign of a luxury and that's mm-hmm. why they wouldn't give you more than one piece of meat you know, <laughs> yeah. and it was also saying that a child shouldn't have more than one piece of meat, even though they're gonna grow up to be thieves. I don't know who coined that, but I know having ample meat in your dish was a sign of luxury growing up. I mean, we didn't grow up or anything, but meat is a statement in a dish. Yeah. For at least your average Nigerian dish. Oh yeah. And they want meat the better. <laughs> yeah. Nigerians love their oh, meat because sometimes, like, if you put like one piece of meat in their meal, they look at you like, yeah. "Is this it?" You know. So yeah, definitely, that's a big thing. For you said that because when we have guests, you know, they'll bring out like the fine China dishes and they'll put like ample. And you're like, I didn't know we had this much meat at home. <laughs> yeah, so meat for sure. I think rice, meat, our spices. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like you know snacks a little bit of snacks that we do here and there like the meat pies oh yeah the meat pies so it's funny you mentioned that because i know i i, I think what's really unique about you is that even though you moved here several years ago you still retained a lot of the nigerian culture and i guess it's just the way your family structure is that mm-hmm. so you probably didn't miss a lot of that so mm-hmm. so what was it like you know growing up if you can remember growing up in nigeria and then just before you came here can you what are some things that you you think you'll miss if you could remember some of those things. Actually, there's one particular food that I think I really miss. Um, it's snails. I don't know if you've ever had snails. Peppered snails? Like peppered snails. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I do know that. Peppered snails. Uh, I love those they call things. It, um, Let's go. Right? Yeah, let's go here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. It's but it's so man, it's so expensive. Yeah. I was there was one time I was excited. I was like, okay, we're going to go get snails. And then I looked at Jermaine. Oh no, it's like snails are paying my tuition, <laughs> my car loans, you know. Uh, uh, so I was like, uh, uh-uh, there's no way I'm paying this much you for some snails. Because yeah, really the tiny, you probably need a bowl full of them Mm-mm. to reach that, you know, saturation. Yeah. Point. But I, I think, man, if I if like whenever I go back to Nigeria, that's like the first thing you're gonna have. <laughs> That's one thing I'm like, where are the snails? I want some peppers. You know what I'm gonna have next time I go back home? Yeah. Is that roadside plantains? Oh, they call it like Bali. Yes. Yes. I love it some plantains. Yeah. You know how they say the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions? Mm. I might be destined to go to heaven. I really do wish <laughs> I go to heaven. But if they were to line the road to hell with plantains, I might just go there. <laughs> I love my plantains. Oh. And I, I miss that roadside plantains with 
groundnuts and just that oh, smell. Yes. Oh my goodness. But then, I mean, I guess I don't really miss this because, you know, I've had opportunities to eat this here a lot, but yeah. it's the suya. And then it's going back to the meat too. I really, yeah. <laughs> but they have something like that here. I mean, it's not yeah, like, it's not like I miss. They call yeah. it jerky, I think. Yeah, they have like jerky dried. And then like, if you go to like authentic, oh, but the thing I've noticed though, cause, um, I've tried, especially now since I'm currently in Houston, yeah. I've tried like different, suyas from different places and they taste very different like oh, at really? the authentic yeah the authentic nigerian places you get more nigerian tasting suya i think it's the flavor i think it's the it's the pepper that makes a difference. yeah it's the pepper that makes a difference so maybe the next time someone is going back to nigeria you can ask them to buy you the sauce the so- yeah because the meat i think is probably going to be basic or how you prepare it i think it's the sauce that makes a difference like yeah the ones definitely with ginger and, and you know yeah pepper in it there's specific sauce i think usually the people who are able to get access and bring those here they're the ones that usually end up with the authentic yeah so yeah because suya was a big deal for us back then oh, in really? nigeria so really? for me i can taste suya and i can tell you yeah this is the real so, deal like, the this is right. if we need to like do like a test test for suya we'll probably put your name down on that oh list. yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah all day <laughs> well for me i don't really um because me gets to my teeth if water could get stuck in between my teeth, it would. So with dry beef, it's a hassle having to floss afterwards. So mm-hmm. I'll pass on this here. But give me some burly plantain anyway, <laughs> anytime, and I'll I'll do justice to that. Oh man, yeah, that's a that's a good one for sure. Yes, I think suyas, the snacks. I think the difference now, I guess, in comparison to back in Nigeria and now is like we're trying actually um, my mom and that's something you know i hope to like pass down to future yeah. generations it's like we still keep retain our like nigerian authentic food but we try to make it healthier oh i see yeah without necessarily taking like taking away the unique aspects of things like for example yeah like for example like with our meat pie we try to like the dough like there's specific things we do with the dough not to make it like too thick yeah and then even when we make the you know, whatever we put on the inside yeah. too, with, you know, we try to go light on the fillings. And then, um, like we do like less frying. So like, even right now, I don't really eat much chin chin anymore, but from time to time we do it. But then something I heard, which I thought was really cool was like some people I heard they bake chin chin. Who are those people? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's something you've heard of. I don't know. Earlier. I probably don't want to meet them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Lots of things happen nowadays, but I don't know. I just, can't imagine because with chin chin for me it's like it's very it has um, to be unhealthy that's crunchy chin chin. Yeah. yeah and i don't know how you can <laughs> get the butter really. no. uh, but yeah if anyone knows out there because <laughs> <laughs> we don't know that yeah and then for meats instead of like frying deep frying Roast, our chicken yeah. and meat we do lots of break um broiling yeah and, yeah, baking, Roasting, yeah baking you know chicken so i think that kind of helps yeah so it's still everything is still standard we just try to figure out things yeah. alterations here and there just to make it healthier you know yeah, yeah so but overall we still retain yeah. Nigeria. So you came here, um, according to what you told me earlier, you came here just when you were about to start high school, correct? Yes. So closer right around that time. So how was it like for you? I just sent to the educational assistant. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a very interesting time. Uh, cause at that time, you know, people are growing into like more so like adulthood. I think for me, I take in, so the way they kind of put me in the classroom system was they looked through like you know my transcript and saw classes I had taken in Nigeria and yeah. they're trying to assess from those classes what grade level was she fit yeah. here in the United States yeah. and um and back in Nigeria we start school usually 
as early as whenever you can read, write, you're able, you just start school. So there's no set rule of, oh, you have to be five to start school. Almost like the next day after they give birth to you, you start school. You start school, <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, man. Nigerians don't play games no, when it comes to their yeah. education. But I guess we could talk a little bit about that. But that's one of the things I really admire about our culture. But yeah, we start very early. Like my sister, she was still in diapers when she started school. So we, we start kids pretty early. So by the time I came here, I'd already kind of taken some classes. But here they also take age into consideration because they're concerned about having a child who's much younger than the classmates and how that kind of influences like your social and other developmental aspects. So I started high school, um, came in, it was like a huge culture shock. I know, because I think in back in Nigeria, it's lots of like uniform wear and people yeah. wear uniform to school and here. That saved a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here it's like the kids wear whatever. And now I'm in the culture, I'm immersed in the culture now. So it's a little bit different. But I guess like looking back, you know, most of the girls would wear like makeup and all of these things to school versus in Nigeria, it's more, everyone's very plain faced. Yeah. yeah. In that sense, it's different. Um, as far as like education itself, things are thought are very different as well. Like, you know, there's certain, I can't remember specifics, but I just remember there's certain ways they teach things. And I was like, oh, I've learned that before. But the way I learned that, of course, was nothing like how they're teaching like now. Like the theory behind it. Mm-hmm. Instead of just giving you the, oh, this is how you do it. But they tell you why it's done that way. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I think one thing I was trying to think of was maybe like the long, divi- long division. Yeah. And like the way they teach long division here is very different from the way I learned long division back in Nigeria. Which it was easier. <laughs> Which I think the Nigerian method is easier, oh, really? actually. I, Yay I for feel, Nigeria! Yay! <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like the Nigerian method was easier maybe because that's what i learned first but i don't know personally i thought that was easier for me um and then way semesters are structured so little things here and there are different but in in terms of like the level of education you get i still think you still it's the same things they teach you know in terms of like algebra all that stuff is the same it's just the way they go about teaching it is different and then in terms of like educational structures a little different with like you know in the u.s all your education from the beginning till up to high school, most of the time you get free if you go to like a public, yeah. you know, school. Then except kids who go to private school who have to actually pay for school yeah. here, it's like free education versus in Nigeria. It's more so like you pay for every, you oh, know, yeah. you pay for everything to grow to your school. You know, some schools more expensive than others. Yeah, others and yeah. it kind of depends on, you know, your parents, like financial income. And I think yeah. that's something I really appreciated coming here was that free education. And when stuff is free, you don't take it for granted. <laughs> so, so I think, yeah, the free education here was very nice, too, in terms of like. The but it cuts you later when you go to college and you have to stop paying those college loans. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, I think yes. it's the inverse because. In Nigeria, our foundation really is, you know, as growing up, your foundation is going to a good school because that's when you learn how to speak English properly, how to read very well. And even in some public schools, they don't have those teachers that can invest much time. But overall, private schools are um, a little bit more um, better, a little bit better than public schools. But then on the flip side, as you go older and you have to go to college, you find out that public colleges or universities like state-owned ones or government-owned ones, they are almost cheap, not as expensive as the private ones, but they also have better reputation overall. So it's it's funny to see how there's a flip as you go older. It's very hard to go through in the U.S. to go through like 
elementary through like college and not have student loans except yeah. you know let's say well, i guess like for nigerian immigrants usually you have loans because most of our parents didn't come here early enough yeah. to where they're able to save, save up and all that. yeah except you know your parents started saving up really early or they've they started life in the U.S. before you were born. All those yeah. things, they're able to save up for you to go to college. Yeah. Or you just happen to be really rich. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But hey, regardless, I mean, education, it's, it, it's, it's something that, even though it might be costly, the return on investment supersedes, you know, just how much you spend on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Absolutely. good. So um, what, was the, what would you say was one cultural shock you had the first day of school? One culture shock I had. It might not be the first day of school, but just... Remember walking through the halls of your, the hallways of your of your school. Like, what was the most shocking thing for you? Oh man! (laughs) (laughs) Actually, now that you like put that description, there are a couple of things that really shocked me a lot. I think for one, I saw lots of hand holding guys and girls holding hands hmm. and Isn't that like get you pregnant immediately <laughs> according to our nigerian uh, parents nigerian parents man you don't no, no there's no boyfriend you can't hold hands because you're gonna be pregnant automatically <laughs> yeah there's no boyfriend or girlfriend until like you're done with school like, like college, <laughs> I say like second degree. Oh man, the funny thing that happens is like they expect you not to date at all while you're in school. They're like, you know, focus on your books. Your education. Education. <laughs> yeah, but then by the time it's time for graduation, it's like out of nowhere they're like, okay, all of a sudden, where's your husband? <laughs> Wait, that's so true. Talk about managing expectations. <laughs> I'm like, they will be the same ones who tell you not to date, no boyfriend, face your books, face your education. But once it's time for graduation, they're like, okay, where's your husband where's your wife on oh, you that same field of graduation <laughs> uh-huh. very interesting nigerian parents but yeah that was a huge shock for me like just seeing you know kids at a young age because nigeria that's like a taboo oh, yeah. in that age if you like somebody with dating someone just no one notes. yeah and then hope they don't read it <laughs> hope no one even knows that's a thing and i guess something else i guess this was more so like just because of the part of texas i was in or you know the side of town i was in but also seeing young girls my age you know going through education pregnant Uh that was a huge culture shock for me you know i had a Uh couple like i was walking in the halls i saw a girl you know looks just about my age was pregnant but then with the way since they dress and wear makeup and all of those things they look a little bit older so i was like maybe she's a teacher and then i walk into class and she walks into class and she sits down on the desk like me and i was like oh she's a student she's pregnant (laughs) yes that very different because in nigerian culture it's like a taboo you know it's kind of the whole thing with like dating dating at that point is a taboo you can imagine being pregnant at that age definitely those were big <laughs> yeah taboo completely okay good. so we've talked about food we've talked about um just culture shocks as far as the educational system is concerned mm-hmm. um let's talk about communication mm. yeah so like you schooled in Nigeria for a while yeah how different was it as far as interacting with your teachers or with your peers, what are some huge things that you saw that was shocking to you or things that you're like, oh, that would never happen in Nigeria? Like, think- yeah, so, oh, that for sure is very different. Um, I guess this kind of, t- the first thing kind of touched back to the education system. Yeah. It's like, you know, with Nigeria, you do lots of British English. Oh, yeah. And then here's American English. It's different with like, you it's know, color, which f- funny enough, now I would never spell color with a U. Do you know what I but saw? Back I then- saw, speaking of that, I saw, I saw it spelled on my word, on the word document that I was reviewing. I was like, that's a wrong way of spelling color. And I'm like, 
dude, you've been spelling color that way for twenty something years. All of a sudden, it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, so, so the, yeah, the British English, like being able to adjust the American English, and even stuff. some phrases that people would say, like queue up, line up. Yeah, it was very different. Sometimes like, that words. kind of seeps out of my mouth. Yeah, it's very, very different. Yeah. Like, there's certain words. Yeah. I know, like, the British would say lots of, like, rubbish. Take out the rubbish. Yeah. You say trash. Yeah. So those kind of things are different. And also, mannerisms, very different. Um, I think here I saw a lot of, um, which is really shocking to me, the way te- um, students actually approach teachers. Uh, Ooh. Um, sometimes they're very disrespectful. Um, like I've even on several instances, it's really like during my first like month or so, like seeing students actually argue with <laughs> teachers. <laughs> Wait, was that in high school? In, college? in high school, oh, okay. high school, yeah. Like seeing students actually argue with teachers. For me, that was that was shocking. Like you never spoke back to a teacher oh. in Nigeria. Yeah, when the that teacher said you're ready to graduate that same day. Yeah, <laughs> it's like when the teacher says is a. It can that. never be B, it can never be C, it can never be Z, nothing else. It's A, A and only. Whatever the teacher says, that's what it is. That's how it works in Nigeria versus here. Mm-mm. <laughs> but the argument you can make for and against that. True. Because while here, a lot of kids are very assertive and they would speak up for themselves. Absolutely. It also helps to make the teacher understand that you're only helping these students through a thought process. You shouldn't give it to them complete. Let them have ways to, you know, argue and also, you know, make their points very clear. Whereas in Nigeria, this is the law. This is what we said. You cannot, you know, argue. And that's a culture of, of fear and intimidation in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Whereby, even though it doesn't make sense or you don't understand what the professor is saying, you cannot argue with them. You cannot have a conversation around that. I just want to imagine how rhetoric should be taught in colleges in Nigeria, where if you have to choose a, a point that is... Um, different from what your professor is saying and how do you argue that without that whole culture or you don't have respect you know coming out yeah and I think you make a really great point because you know and and it's something I also like observed in myself because I came in with some type of like timidity Mm -hmm. and it wasn't timidity in terms of like I didn't know certain things. It was just timidity in terms of like speaking speaking up for myself was seen from my culture was seen as like lack of you know lack of respect, respect yeah. you know versus here it's kind of like you have to you know you speak up you're assertive so you know that was to me that was a huge adjustment and you make a really great point because there is you know pros and cons yeah, on each don't. side yeah, yeah. you know but at the same time you don't want to raise kids that are timid unable to speak up and all those things i think that for me took some time and adjustments i was adjusting to the coach and everything else you know yeah. i think that boldness started to come in there but in terms of like that line of respect was always yeah <laughs> there's no way i was gonna yell at my yeah. teacher or you know i was never disrespectful but i learned to you know like speak, speak up, up you know mm-hmm. and all of those things and not be timid or see you know speaking off as a you know sign of disrespect because that was different and then something huge again that was different was you know eye contact oh tell me about that Ooh. i have a whole story i can talk about that but you go first please <laughs> yeah so i think with eye contact is very um so like you know in nigerian culture making eye contact is a sign of disrespect you know it it's really when you're talking to elderly people you look away, you look away. and you in Korean culture too i think it's prominent yeah so it's like you don't make eye contact with whoever you're talking to and i think that kind of followed me moving here followed me as well it's like i would be talking to people and i wouldn't make eye contact and in my head for me it's like respect. it's respect but to but them they the, think you're lying maybe yeah you're not trying to look at them look at me look at me you're yeah like, oh, okay it's burning my eyes <laughs> exactly because on their end they're thinking like oh either you know you're lying yeah or you're afraid or, you know there's something to, on them you don't 
don't want to look at and this yeah, and this and this yeah all of a sudden versus on my end I'm just like man you know and so it, it's that kind of took time like learning that it's just like when people t- when they teach about like communications class they're teaching about like body language and making eye contact and here I yeah and it's like here I am like really trying not to make eye contact because I was raised <laughs> that making oh eye contact yeah but tell me about your story so oh, story my goodness it. um so my first year of grad school yeah one of the hardest adjustments I had to make was exactly that just eye contact and being able to have a conversation in like you know some of the curriculum here in grad school will be apart from you doing your independent research or writing um, a critical part of your grade is having to discuss in class with your mm-hmm. peers, like discussion how much you contribute in class. But how do you <laughs> how do you contribute when your thought process before then has always been whatever the teacher says is what you go with, whatever your professor says is what you you know always have to stand by. Mm-hmm. So I realized that I wasn't really saying a lot in class, not because I didn't know what to say. Well, sometimes I didn't know what to say because it was a class on the American healthcare structure and insurance and all of that. And I remember my professor, um, he had asked a question and somebody made an argument against it. And I tried to say something that was contrary to popular opinion, but I could feel my heart beating. I was like, okay, I'm done. Like after I'm done with this class, I'm sure they're gonna come tell me to come get my bags and fly me back to Nigeria. <laughs> How dare I challenge my professor? <laughs> and I used that moment to talk because I realized that it was half of in the semester and I wasn't talking in class. <laughs> and the Nigerian that I am, I ended at A, you know? <laughs> and I was so scared that after the class, I had to go meet the professor. Like, I'm so sorry. I felt like I was arguing with you in class, but I just wanted to find a way to, to talk to you about that. And it was like, you know what, that was probably one of the best times I've heard you speak. Mm-hmm. And I really like that argument. Would you be interested mm-hmm. in pursuing that as a line of research? And by the way, don't call me professor. That comment by my first name. How? <laughs> how? <laughs> like, how's that going to happen? Yo, I'm going to use all your titles if you want me to. And then put your last name on it. Put some respect on it. No, like the first name thing, it's a culture shock for me. Yeah, I still can't do it. I still, like a lot of my mentors now, now that I'm no longer in you know, um, grad school, they, they expect you to start calling them by their first name, but it's, it's, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. You're always going to be professor and doctor. <laughs> I can't do that switch. I've tried. I mean, people, some people find it easier to do, but now yeah. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I'm just going to keep calling you doctor till the day we both die or one of us dies before the other person. Yeah. That's, that's a really, really great point. Yeah. And that was, that's a huge like culture shock. Yeah. Cause in Nigeria, it's like everyone, the older people, you always call them, you know, sir. Even if it's one day. Ma'am. Ma, yeah. Auntie. Mm-hmm. Auntie. Oh, we call everyone auntie, uncle. That's even why. They're it, not even like they're related by blood. They're not even mm-hmm. auntie or uncle by blood. <laughs> but you call everyone well, auntie. We're all related. <laughs> Yeah, everyone was uncle, auntie, yeah, sir. That brother. Yeah, you yeah. never like just casually call people older than you by their first oh, name. Oh, and if you have a PhD or something, you better put that doctor or chief or whatever their titles Title. are before the name. Yeah. yeah, so it's like coming here and like people just like calling at the workplace is calling each other by their first name. It's an adjustment. And there's still times like, I mean, I try now with it, you yeah. know, culturally, there's still times I struggle. Like, there are some mentors who like are motherly figures in my life that. I still, I just have a hard time. Like, even if 
they refer or they have the expectation of me calling them by their first, first name. name. I just it's just not something I can do. So I usually would just call them Mrs. their first name. Yeah. So Mrs. Stella or yeah. Mrs. I, I, I like to re- retain that title because to me it's a constant reminder of just how much influential that person is to me. Yeah. And not saying if I didn't call them Doctor or, or Mr. or whatever appellation in front of their name, if I didn't put that there, I still wouldn't respect them. Mm. But every time I say their names out, I still want to always remember where I came from, how far they've helped me. Yeah. So it's more for me than for them. There's one time, um, I don't remember exactly, but there was someone who came to visit my family with small children yeah. and you know I introduced them you know as my name which is Fiona yeah. and then the mom's like no auntie call her auntie <laughs> <laughs> and then she knew auntie the mom's sister <laughs> and I'm just like um no, no. <laughs> just call me oh, no, 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 no. oh man so yeah. I mean there's some there's some times when those things are needed yeah but I feel like when you want to really meet people like at the very core of things Titles don't make sense because sometimes they kind of drive a wedge between you and people that don't really know you, people that might feel a lot intimidated by exactly. you know, those titles. So, But anyways, I just see the use of using titles. That was very, very um, interesting. So I want to ask you, you are in pharmacy school right now, correct? Yes. Your fourth year and you're almost round enough. About yeah. to start residency. Ask, why pharmacy? Why not medicine or nursing or engineer? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a really funny question. For several reasons. Um, I think initially... Like, I, you know, from a very young age, I got exposed to, like, pharmacy um, through, like, having to go into the scene for my sister's health, actually. But then through that time, I was, you know, it was like pharmacy. I wasn't exactly sure what pharmacist did. But, like, from that experience, I was open to seeing pharmacy a little bit. So, you know, I took the opportunity to start shadowing and seeing people. And my aunt, I remember my aunt (laughs) was a nurse. And she's like, don't be a nurse. Because, you know, nowadays, most Nigerians, you know, it's very culturally, most of our moms are, you know, in the nurse line, which there's nothing wrong with that. I have so much respect for nurses because they do so much when it comes to, like, patient care and all. Like, you know, they're one, like, I think they don't really get the exposure or the recognition for the work they do. But she's like, no, don't be a nurse. And I was like, okay. I mean, (laughs) I personally didn't see anything wrong with it. But, you know, after opportunities of, you know, shadowing pharmacists yeah. and seeing the difference. Like, Cause I think and publicly, a lot of people see pharmacists as, you know, working at CVS and Walgreens and, you know, your local community pharmacists who will dispense your medication, which is great because we do need those positions. But I think a lot of times people don't see yeah. pharmacists and doing, you know, the other aspects of pharmacy, like, yeah. you know, in terms of like, you know, we have pharmacists working in the industry. We have, you know, hospital systems. We have lots of pharmacists, you know, pharmacists there's some, academia. yeah, pharmacists <laughs> in academia teaching, you know, like, you know, there's some pharmacists who do like very non-traditional things, you know, pharmacists who travel, travel who, yeah. you know, they, nuclear pharmacists. Yeah. Like, and you know, with the way our healthcare is changing now you know there are patients with like you know diabetes hypertension you know more patients with comorbidities and chronic diseases some people the healthcare professionals that literally see them and take care of their primary issues is a pharmacist that they see on a regular basis so i think the pharmacy profession has really grown definitely do not regret my decision i love you know it's like i'm very passionate about my profession i love what i do i love what i'm learning i'm excited you know it's it's not easy i tell people i'm very open it's very stressful lots of sacrifices in several different ways you know like 
No one ever goes to pharmacy school and says it's easy. I don't care how smart you are. You'll be challenged in one shape or form and you grow through that. But I definitely, it's a profession that I'm passionate about. And I feel like I grow more and more in love with it the more I'm exposed to it. It's like, you know, wow. I feel like I'm in the right place. You need to make you a poster child for pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I can deal with that. I can do that. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of like medicine, you know, I think doctors play a huge, huge role. It's great. I can't really see myself doing that. You know, I mean, it's like the level of things that they deal with, the blood, I, yeah, it's just, yeah, so it's like just, there's a lot that goes with that and the level of the time investment and all of those things that go with that. But for me, I'm more so concerned about the pharmacotherapy knowledge aspect of things. That's more where my passion and I shine and all of those things. So that's where (laughs) I'm more gravitated towards. But, you know, props to all our Nigerian doctors and engineers and all of those nurses. Y'all are doing the real work. (laughs) Y'all are doing that. But that just wasn't, yeah, it wasn't for me. I'd rather be advocating for my patient on a more pharmacotherapeutic standpoint you know so that was said in a certain way <laughs> i can see that passion from right here I see that the table from you. i see it well, thank you <laughs> anyway oh yeah do you want to talk a little bit about you know africans being loud and <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> wow what what where did i start from <laughs> and i'll tell you like take for example my mom i love your mom like I have to scream on the phone when I talk to her because she doesn't, it's not a hearing problem. She doesn't have any of those as much as maybe it's the way I talk or maybe I talk fast. But I know personally, one of the things I had to do was to find ways to reduce the tone of my voice. Because why do they think we're loud? I, I, I like, you're yeah. so spoken, by the way. You're not half as loud as I can be. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> Maybe I'm like one of the few. <laughs> the only time you get me to where I'll be loud is either when I'm very excited, which tends to happen a lot. I'm a very happy person for the most part. Could when we're speaking our language? <sighs> because when I had one of my Korean friends over, the, like, one time, and I, I was on the phone with a friend, and it was a 20-minute conversation there about, and after the conversation, she was like, are you okay? And I started I was sounding <laughs> angry on the phone. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I just talked to my friend. We're not angry. It's like, oh, your language, they sounded angry. And I'm like, oh, oh wow. I don't know how it sounds because I speak it. Yeah. And I guess maybe something else I can think about is like, maybe usually because we're so used to like background noises as uh-huh. well. Because if you think about most traditional like Nigerian places, there's always things going on in the background uh-huh. and we feel the need to you know, increase the volume of our voices to be heard or to get our point That's across. Like yeah, that. I never thought about it that mm-hmm. way. And it's like, and it's, it's so like, it's such a common thing to where it's like, you see Nigerians on the phone and it's literally quiet in the room, but they still, that urge to yell is still there. They're just <laughs> shouting on the phone and I'm like, man. Uh, Wow, I, I I never really thought of reasons why, but that's a very tenable point right there. So, yeah. different reasons. But yeah, Africans, we are loud people. Most of the time. Yeah, but we're, we're, loud, we're, we're loud and, you know, fun <laughs> and, you know, life of the party. Yeah. You know, wonderful people. A lot of different <laughs> things, yes. Yeah, yeah. All of that and more. So, um, I think a final thought I want to throw out there, or a final question I like to throw out there. If you could change one thing, you know, from your time, maybe in Nigeria, transitioning here, if you could go back and make one change, what, what would that be? As far as the immigration story and integration into American system. If I could go back and change one thing, what would that be? Hmm. 
That's a really good question. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I don't know. I think I would say my story. I wouldn't necessarily change anything specifically. Um, I think it all worked out good for me. I think it was a learning process. Um, prior to moving here, I had very little knowledge about the U.S. I mean, there's some things that, you know, were shocked to me because I always just thought U.S. So everyone's rich. It's nice and glowy all the time. It's not. But it's really not. It's literally like as you have good things, you also have not so great things, you know. But I, I don't. Yeah. But I don't think I would change anything. I think each part of my story serve the purpose me not knowing much about the culture before coming kind of helped me like learn and also kind of helped me retain my culture part yeah. of my culture as well i mean i wouldn't necessarily say i'm the most cultured nigerian american but i think if i knew a lot about the american culture before coming here i'll probably start preparing myself and more so adjusting more to that culture before coming here versus me coming here was like i fully was you know the nigerian who i am and being in America, I just had to learn to pick up things about the culture where I, I adopt and feel comfortable and grow and learn, but also retain like my roots and the true core of who I am. So, yeah. Wow. I don't know if I changed. That was deep. <laughs> that was a very good response. I mean, not being able to change the past, but at least reflecting on how your journey has been and you being able to hold on to your culture, but at the same time, adopting some of the culture here in the U.S. and how things that you've been familiar with mm. and things that haven't really worked for you. Like, like you said, it's always a, a growing process. You you probably don't have, you haven't reached that point of saturation as far as your cultural experience is concerned. Every day you grow, you throw out some things and then you pick up some, your, you know, tips and all of that along the way. Yeah, like I like to say, I'm like a life learner for the rest of my life. I'll always be learning. Sure that's true. Till the day I die, man, yeah, always learning. Yeah. Thank you. Very great time. Woohoo! Do you tell us? You want to tell us what your question says and how you're gonna go about answering that? Yes. So my question for today is: What's the most outrageous thing you saw today? Hmm interesting question so I, i'll say today so today we did lots of um running errands throughout the day and like during our time went to a store mm-hmm. and <laughs> name was held <laughs> yes <laughs> but at that particular store <laughs> they were selling like you know those leggings um tights Fish night, I think. Was it was a fish Yeah, something like a fish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, cute. Let me take a look at it. And of course, I'm that person, you know, as a student, I always have to take a look at the price tag mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. see, you know, to make decisions very important on the student budget. So I looked at the price tag and realized it was $50, like $50 for some leg. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> why would it cost $50 for tights? Like, Just for the tights. Yes. Doesn't make sense. If you bought those tights, I would, and you just wore those out without wearing anything on top. Just leave the price tag on. And when people ask you, hey, why are you naked up top? Uh, I got this tight for 50 bucks. Because for that price, <laughs> you're justified to go around naked. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, that was definitely the most outrageous thing today. First yeah. Sunday. I, 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 can't, I can't spend $50 on this. Is it, is it the whole Nigerian thing where you come out everything to Naira? <laughs> Before you buy them? <laughs> no, I can't do that. <laughs> no, I, I, I can say 
for sure I'm past that because if you ask me now I don't even know the conversion this is sad but I I currently don't know the conversion but there's certain I think in my head like I have like specific uh, like kind of like specific price ranges for even things I see I'm like oh excited and then I like go straight to the price tag and then the price tag determines so where that remains. How much, what's your willingness to pay? What's mm. your max on the top? It depends on what type of tops. For like casual tops, like around like seven, ten dollars. Um, usually for like more dressy type yeah. tops, I probably won't go over 20. Okay, and mind right. you, I know how to go about making sure <laughs> I just go. Don't hit that clearance aisle. <laughs> Look for the red tags. Oh, and, you yeah. Know. I'm on that clearance aisle all yeah. day, every day. <laughs> it used to be very, um, you know, I would say ashamed, but a little bit self-conscious when I walk into a store and I have to figure out the clearance aisle myself. <laughs> but now, the moment I bust into the doors, I just ask the attendant, Where's your Claire's aisle? <laughs> oh, <laughs> make a B.I. <laughs> yeah. Straight flare. Ain't nobody got time for that. Uh-uh. Just show me the right tag. Just show me I'm the right here to play. <laughs> yep, it's not on sale. I don't want it. Good, good. So, well, yeah. I, I, I had the same sentiments about that price tag. So for my question is, you're a world traveler. What's your next stop? Easy peasy. As of today, recording this podcast, it has to be um, South Korea. Nice. South Korea. I'm going to hit Busan first, and then Seoul, and Jeju Island, or Jeju-do. And, um, yeah, definitely South Korea. So on that note, if you were to eat any meal in South Korea, based on your exposures here in the U.S., what would you want to try? It has to be seafood in Busan. Mm. I had to have one of the best seafood, because it's really surrounded by a lot of... Seas, I guess. I want to oh, call wow. it that way. And they have fresh seafood. Nice. I just want to, I want to have that with, you know, soju, which is kind of like their alcoholic drink. Mm. Yeah. Seafood. Seafood <laughs> in Busan. Have as many oysters, sushi, fresh fish. <laughs> I miss that. Because I grew up in Lagos. Yeah. You know, one of the perks of being a, a Lagosian, like you, I mean, if you can remember, was the fish, like the, the arrays of fishes you had. Mm. And things you had access to. But now, my fish diet has been very limited because fish is very expensive, especially if you're living far away from the coast. I don't live in Boston, even though I live there briefly. Living in Texas and basically what you have is tilapia and the frozen ones, <laughs> it's not like the fresh fish. So. Yeah. And seafood, yeah, getting trying to get seafood here in Texas. Is, yeah. Or in the U.S., most of the time is very expensive. Yeah. yeah. And then street food also in Korea. Mm. I haven't, I've heard so much about them. And some of my friends have made them for me, but they still tell me you need to experience it <laughs> in Korea. So like the rice cakes, the, the mm. bucky, and um, of course the, the, the Korean barbecue. Nice. Street food. Thank you. Our guest has been Fiona Imhaya. She's going to be uh, almost a doctor. <laughs> Soon. Wow, congratulations in advance. And <laughs> Thanks. An aspiring pharmacist yeah. here in the big state of Texas. Well, even though we're not in Texas, but you know, she's from Texas. And thank you so much for coming today. I'm, I'm glad to have you on the podcast and thanks for being a guest. My very first guest. You should go down history. <laughs> my very first guest record. and my very first live guest. Breaking record. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's a pleasure to be here. I hope it was half as enjoyable to you as it was for me oh that's great yeah it was fun so much fun good, it's good. nice to think back to the past and rebring that we aim to please so i guess <laughs> my my job here is done thanks for listening to this episode of the more civil podcast if you know someone who might have enjoyed today's content please tell them about the podcast by sharing this episode with them stay up to date with all the podcast has to offer by subscribing 
Don't forget to also rate or review us on iTunes. You can actually do both of those. If you have a question or a topic that you would love to hear more about, let me know in the comment section. Finally, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, as I look forward to connecting with as many of you as possible. Talk to you soon. Most of all.